If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Today, I am super excited to have with me Kaylor Glassman. Hi, Kaylor. Hi. Kaylor's been on the show before. She is the founder of Diabetes Support Partners. And she used to be the director of programs at DYF, which is the camp that's local to the Northern California region. Uh, That's how I know her. And Kayla's been on the show before to talk through questions with me that have come in from listeners. So Kayla, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And uh, we have a question today that Kayla's going to read and we'll start talking about. All right. This question says, My 11, almost 12-year-old never lets me know when her insulin is getting low in her pump or if it's going to run out of charge. One night, I had to pick her up from her friend's house in the middle of the night because she ran out of insulin. And I stopped reading her one day when she was at school. It turned out her pump was out of charge. She also never tells me when her CGM expires. I know it's hard to have type 1, but I feel like she should be more responsible. Help. From Out of Juice in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm. Quite a question. And I, I want to name Taylor that there are a few questions that came in that had a very similar flavor to this. So it felt um, really timely. And like people are struggling with this issue about responsibility in their type one kids. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So Joanne, I'm curious, do you think these expectations are reasonable? I, I know I'm personally having a lot of empathy for this child here. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Uh huh. Okay, great question. I think that it depends, right? So a little bit is the proofs in the pudding. Um, these questions, these expectations are not reasonable because this child can't do it, right? Now, I don't know exactly why the child can't do it, but I do think this is a lot to ask of an 11 or 12 year old. I think this level of management that this parent is expecting of this child seems high to me for that age range. Um, So I have two answers to your question, Kayla. One is um, about parents and how they get anxious about what they think their child has to be able to do. So let let me dig in there for a minute and then we can talk about the kids. My experience shows me that parents tend to get really nervous. What they think is, this is a big job. How is my child ever gonna be able to do this? They're gonna leave to live on their own at some point, like when they're 18, they're never going to be able to do all this. And so they start transferring lots and lots of stuff and responsibility to their children in the name of teaching them how to do it. Um, I really believe that this has to be a very slow process. You can't transfer too much at once. Children will collapse under the weight, right? It's sort of like, I don't know if you know the story of Hercules, that one of the ways he got strong was he started by carrying this baby calf on his shoulders. 
And as it grew into a full-size cow, he was able to be carrying a full-size cow on his shoulders, right? But it was a stepwise process. And I feel like we have the same Herculean task with our kids to just transfer a bit and a bit and a bit, right? Um, and so our task actually is to quiet the anxious voice in our head that says they're never going to be able to do this. Oh, no, right? Because we have to learn uh, how to give them what they can manage, let them feel like they've accomplished something really important, and then move them on. Just like we would with any chore. We're not going to give our 11-year-old the responsibility of like doing the laundry and making dinner. Like that's unreasonable. <laughs> so unless the kid happens to be a superstar kid. So let's flip back to the child because you're having a lot of empathy for this child. And I do too. This is a lot for this child to be able to track and manage. Perhaps this child, this, this parent doesn't say, um, my 11 year old used to be able to do this and now she can't. Uh, I, I think that's unlikely, but I also think that's possible. I think that our T1D kids sometimes pick up responsibilities and then they sort of drop the capacity to be able to do them. And starting in late middle school, I'd say, is when that happens, right? Like they've been doing it, especially if they were diagnosed young. They're really confident, they know how, and then they get kind of burned out and they don't want to anymore. I think the answer is that we need to follow the lead of our kids to some degree, right? Like, yes, we need to be out in front of them saying, here's the path, here's the way, like here's the next step. But in a conversation with them, like, what do you think you can manage and helping to really scaffold and support what our expectations are of what they can do next. So I'll pause there and see how all that lands for you. I, I love that. I think it's it's probably also important to realize that just because they can do some things at yeah. one period of time, that doesn't mean they'll always be able to do that. So transferring the skill doesn't mean you've transferred it one time and now they've got it. It might yeah. be, you know, two steps forward, one step back kind of process. Yep, absolutely. That I have, uh, that really is happening in my house. So my daughter diagnosed at four, really proud to have type one because her older brother had it. She thought it was super cool. And so she took on lots of responsibilities, could change her own pump way earlier than my son could. And recently-ish, I'll notice her pump runs out of insulin and she's transferred to shots. And it took me a minute to realize she doesn't want to load the pump anymore. It's not that she can't, it's that it exhausts her. She's a little bit burned out. And so I've just taken it back. I know that she can. And when she leaves for college, she will pick it up or we'll figure it out. Right. But right now, this is what she needs. So I think some of this also is about us seeing where our children are right now and meeting their needs and helping scaffold their learning right now and not getting so far ahead of ourselves with anxiety. Absolutely. So to me, these three problems seem kind of like all this, all similar, right? They're all kind of time management issues. And I wonder what you think about that or if you notice that as well. Mm -hmm. So what we see here is this child ran out of insulin in her pump, her pump ran out of charge and she doesn't know when the CGM is gonna expire. Yeah, you're right. These are time management issues. Um, and so that's something, I mean, again, do we expect 11 year olds to be able to do this level of time management? That's hard. Right. So I think the expectation of this parent is a little um, disproportionate to the age of the child. Again, I don't know this kid. Um, so hard to say. But I think that the parent um, should have the expectation at this age that they are the one tracking those things. And it's really helpful to track those things by having systems in place. 
like putting on your calendar when the CGM got changed, just add 10 days and know that that's the day it's going to need to be changed so that you aren't caught by surprise, which honestly is something that happens to me every time. I'm always caught by surprise. I could follow my own advice there. Um, but also having a system in place for charging the pump um, and a system in place for checking the insulin levels, right? So that you like for me, charging the pump should happen when your child takes the pump off to shower. Like that's the most obvious time. In our house, my daughter doesn't like to do that. So I have a plug that's right where she eats breakfast. So she plugs in at breakfast time and she can get charged up then. So, you know, sort of whatever works for you. But I think the idea here is to help your child have the systems in place. Because just like brushing their teeth becomes somewhat automatic because you've just made a ritual around bedtime, let's say you want to do the same thing with diabetes management. I love that because it's, you know, you want to be creating healthy habits in your kids across the board, T1D or not. And that's how you're going to set them up for success in the future is teaching them healthy habits where they can do be doing pieces of it every day where it just becomes part of the reality. And something like charging the pump is a great place to start, I think. Yeah. And also if you're doing it more regularly, it doesn't feel as burdensome. Right. Absolutely. 15 minutes a day versus, you know, you get down to zero and then you have right. that big panic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same as cleaning your room, right? If you take the laundry and put it all on the floor, it's really a much bigger job than if you just deposit it right away in the hamper. So it feels similar to me in that way. Absolutely. So as a parent, Joanne, I'm curious what you think, because I think it can be a similar experience, whether your child has T1D or not, to just know if you're expecting too much or too little of your child across mm -hmm. developmental stages, across time, you know, so what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, I think you have to, again, follow the lead of your child. So we have certain ideas and expectations. I'm laughing. Okay. Here's a, here's a really embarrassing story. My first, I think this is, um, more of a problem with our first children. And I also wanna name that type one is a little bit different. So I recognize that I'm holding it to the side in this moment. When my oldest child was seven, I was still undressing him before bed. And it suddenly occurred to me like, duh, oh, he should be doing this himself, right? Like I really babied him for way too long because he wasn't motivated to do it himself, right? So it took me a minute to realize that I was over caring for him. Um, that's totally embarrassing, but there you have it. And you know what? He can dress and undress himself and he lives far away from me. And I know he has clothes on every day. Right. So it wasn't a catastrophic error. Um, I think that with type, so one of the things that clues us in to developmental capacity is about their peer group, right? We look at their peers and we see that their peers, indeed, the other mothers are saying, yes, my son dressed himself this morning. And we think, aha, I should be asking this of my child, right? Um, but in the type one world, it gets a little trickier, right? Because we often don't have a peer group of type one kids right there to check in with. So this is why camp is good, right? Because you're in a pod with a lot of people who have a child that age, and you're seeing what they're capable of and not capable of and deciding if what you're asking is too little or too much. So that is important. Um, but also just fo again, following their lead. Like if you're seeing that they can't seem to pick it up, don't get angry, either get creative about how it's being done. 
make it a smaller, like slice it thinner, right? Make it a smaller bite. Think of these as teeny little stepping stones across a river. Um, or maybe it's not time. Maybe they can't, right? So, and, and I would be having those, make those decisions largely in conversation with the child, right? Like, I think you could do this. What do you think? How do you think it would be best to set that up for you? Are you ready? Does that feel good to you? Does it feel like a lot to you, right? Asking, because they're going to tell you. And, um, and having those conversations to me is the key part of what it means to, um, to really be parenting diabetes effectively, right? Because again, one of my taglines with Sweet Talk is it's not just about the numbers. And this is where I mean that the most. It's about the relationship. Are we having a robust discussion? Are we caring about what their experience is? Absolutely. And that relationship goes both ways, right? You want to be creating this safe space for them so that the child with T1D, you know, in a couple of years can turn back around and say to you as the parent, like, hey, I know I've been doing these tasks and I need some support in these right now. Can you take back some of these for me for this week or this month mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. it is? So you want to create that open dialogue now. Yeah. And, and make that possible. I mean, what you're talking about is a very specific scenario that I think actually happens a lot. I mean, I think kids come back from college and their parents start loading the pumps up for them. They, they've been doing it, but they're exhausted. And so we say, let, let me take care of it for you. Let me help you out. Right. And, and I want to name the reverse is true too, that there are children. I, I know of children. There's a parent in my workshops right now who has a child who wants to do the next thing. And the mother's a little anxious, but she's helping support that next step of growth because that's what her son is saying that he wants. Right. And so it goes both ways. And so we really need to listen to the person in front of us. And that this open dialogue and communication is really what's going to set up the, the teenage years of success in this situation. Yeah, I agree. And, and I want to name that that doesn't mean it's smooth, right? Like the teenage years, my goodness, it can be really hard. Like I have lots of open dialogue with my daughter and uh, my son and I did great through the teenage years with type one, my daughter and I not so good. Um, but it's not a relational problem between us. It's that she's really struggling to manage. And so I'm trying my best to hold it and help her. Um, so I want to name that doesn't mean for perfect, but it means for um, connected and that we keep being like, this is not the place she's acting out. And that's the important part. Like we don't want diabetes to be the place our children act out. That would be really bad. Let, let them act out other places. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kayla, for coming on the show and helping me through with this question. Thank you, Joanne. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. 
One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at DiabetesSweetTalk.com.